The FBI colluded with Hillary, Obama, and Democrat operatives to lie about and take down Trump. They worked together to screw not only Trump, but the American people out of the truth. They marred four years of his presidency, his reputation, and his legacy, and yet no one is paying the price. Obama, Hillary, Schiff for prison. The show starts now. Last week, the unsettling yet not so shocking Durham report dropped, showing, proving that the Trump-Russia hoax was not only a hoax, but a premeditated hoax. Obama knew, Hillary knew, Comey knew, Schiff knew, the FBI, the CIA, they all knew, and yet they all colluded to take down Trump anyway. But yet, no one is in handcuffs. No one is going to jail. No one is suffering any repercussions at all. And the week before that, we learned that nine Biden family members, including a grandchild, received millions from foreign entities in what appears to be a massive pay-to-play bribery scandal, likely involving Joe Biden himself, and yet, crickets on that too. How does that happen? How can these Republicans, these special prosecutors, these whistleblowers mount so much evidence so neatly, so conclusively, so plain as day, and still, nothing happens? Is the D for Democrats some kind of a magic shield or what? You know, it must be, and so is F, B, and I, plus C, I, and A. And when brave whistleblowers do come forward, they are railroaded, torpedoed, and decimated for daring to do what's right. Corruption, weaponization, any kind of misconduct that exists with the American people. It doesn't solve it. But the FBI will crush you. This government will crush you and your family if you try to expose the truth about things that they are doing that are wrong. And we are all examples of that. That's Garrett O'Boyle, one of those whistleblowers who testified in front of Congress late last week. He claims that after exposing corruption within the department, he was crushed. He and his family nearly rendered homeless, begging for clothes to get by. But do the Democrats give a rip? Of course not. Here's another FBI whistleblower who was grilled by the honorable purple-haired Representative Sanchez over, get this, a Twitter account that is not even his. Mr. Allen, have you ever used Twitter, yes or no? I have utilized Twitter, yes. Okay, and is your account at Marcus A9705064? That is absolutely not my account. On December 5th, 2022, an account under the name of Marcus Allen retweeted a tweet that said, quote, Nancy Pelosi staged January 6th, retweet if you agree, end quote. Do you agree with that statement? Yes or no? That, that is, I don't. No, ma'am. That's not my account at all. Do you agree with the statement that this person tweeted that Nancy Pelosi staged January 6th? Yes or no? No. Thank you. How is this the country we are living in? Who can we trust? And I know House Republicans are doing a lot, but what's it going to take for the truth to prevail and someone, any one of these traitors, to go to jail? Who is going to pay the piper? Hillary Obama Schiff for prison. Coming up next, city bike race baiting and the Rainbow Mafia, so much more. I've got Greg Price on deck to talk about it all. Stick around. Whoa, no, no, record him, record him, record him, record him. Help me, please help me. This is not your bike. Please help me. This is not your bike. This is not your bike. Please help me, help. Please get off me. What the fuck is going on, bro? Yo, don't take him, bro. Now you're not getting the bike, bro. Now you're not getting the bike, bro. Help. 
Why you took his phone? What's wrong with you? Don't touch his phone. Do not touch his phone. I'm not touching you. You put it in your stomach or my hand. Madu, stop. No, Madu, stop. No, no, no. No, I said no. I said sit down. You're not crying. You're not crying. I got stupid. A pregnant nurse caught in the crosshairs of yet another giant race bait for clicks. Joining me now with more on this and so much more is digital strategist Greg Price. Greg, it's great to have you. I want to start in on this. Obviously, we've had this video circulating for over a week now. We know that uh, what we probably could have assumed from seeing it, that this woman did not steal the bike from these black teenagers, that they, in fact, were trying to steal the bike from her, allegedly. But you know, this has already made its way around social media. She's at risk of losing her job. She'll be labeled a racist in perpetuity. How does this possibly happen in the United States of America? Just another example of the of the big systemic racism that occurs in our country when, you know, a nurse or rather she was a physician's assistant who just got off a 12 hour shift and was now just trying to bike home. And now seconds later, when she, when for the rest of her life, when she Googles her name, this is what she's going to see. It's another example of race hustlers launching a social media mob down on somebody who was just trying to live their life. And we see this happen so much in our country these days, especially as so as all of this stuff gets litigated on social media. You know, the fact that someone can just film somebody crying, apparently whenever a white woman cries in the presence of a couple black guys, that's now racism these days, posts it online, you know, they make it go viral. And all of a sudden this woman gets put on administrative leave from her job with a baby on the way. And she and her husband were forced to flee their home because of all the death threats they were getting. And now that her lawyer presented these receipts showing that she paid for the bike herself, it's a really sad situation. But we see this type of thing happen so much where lives are ruined by false narratives that are played out on social media. Like this, this happens at least like once a month now, I feel like. Right. And uh, speaking of litigation, I want to talk about the, the Ben Crump of it all. As you know, you and I know, but maybe the rest of the country doesn't know. This is the man that, you know, infamously goes after all the police departments and the race hustle, as you brought up, trying to make sure that there's these giant payouts for these families, uh, usually with black men that are affected by some kind of police use of force. But he tweeted out this video that was viewed by millions of people saying that this woman was essentially a racist. Now, I'm no attorney. You're no attorney. But to me, someone with that kind of a following tweeting out something like this in his position, that just screams defamation to me. Yeah, well, Ben Crump's a liar. He's a fraud. He he recently just lost. He was the lawyer who tried to put Ed, who tried to bankrupt Ed Sheeran recently by claiming that he stole Marvin Gaye's work on Thinking Out Loud. Like the guy, you know, he, he lied about Michael Brown over the weekend. They, they still promulgate hands up, don't shoot. The guy, the guy's awful. And he does this every single time. Like he, he basically doesn't exist until he sees the opportunity to get a payday off of uh, the death of a black person. And he lies about it all the time in order to do it. And he just did it again. And yes, this woman's lawyer tweeted out, started a Twitter account and said, was telling people to flag him, you know, instances of this happening. And I hope they sue all of these people. You know, there's a lot of people on TikTok that they could definitely sue too. And I, you know, I hope they do. And I hope they get a lot of damages out of it. This is, and like he said on Fox over the weekend, this is the reason defamation lawsuits exist. 
It's also another reason why New York Times v. Sullivan is a Supreme Court case that should be overturned because it makes it very hard to hold news outlets accountable when they defame you like this. And news outlets should be sued a lot more often because if you're going to smear people this way, you should not be able to do it without consequences. Yeah. And again, just going back to the video itself, you know, what really frustrates me about the left and not just this incident, but so many, especially lately, is this whole believe all woman thing, believe all women thing has really gone by the wayside, at least in certain instances, right? You've got a woman that you'd think the feminists would be standing up for, right? You've got a woman who is pregnant, who is screaming for help because something is being stolen from her or she's being manhandled, right? And you would think that the feminists would rush to her defense saying, leave this poor woman alone. She's obviously much smaller. She's a woman. She's been rendered helpless, you know, defenseless. She's crying out for help. But yet those are the same people that are joining into the chorus of people calling her a racist. So I don't know what happened to feminism, Greg. I don't know if it exists anymore other than trying to put, you know, fat models on the Victoria's Secret runway. I'm not really sure where feminism is these days. Yeah, you know, putting biological men in women's spaces, that, that's, that's what third wave, fem, third wave feminism has come to these days. And you're, you're exactly right. Like the, these people tried to actually promulgate a narrative that a six months pregnant woman who just got off a 12 hour shift taking care of other people as a physician's assistant for some reason was like, you know what? I'm going to steal a bike from this group of five dudes who are obviously bigger and stronger than me. That totally makes sense on its face. But that's a narrative that, that, that that's a narrative they tried to tell us was real. And they tried to tell us was racist. Like that should just show the cognitive dissonance of people on the internet and the social media mob in general. And you're, you're right where this is a woman, like, Obviously, a woman is surrounded by a bunch of guys who are trying to take a bike. Of course, she's going to be freaked out and cry like that. I don't know any woman who wouldn't. But yeah, they're not standing up for this woman. And it's because, you know, they'd rather push this racism narrative than, you know, actually believe all women, women as they tell us to do, as they tell us to do. This is not so different also from the Jordan Neely, uh, Daniel Penny incident. Of course, it's been made about race, has nothing to do with race. But uh, I don't know if you know this, Greg, but we are at the end of May. That inevitably means that June is coming and we know what happens when June comes, right? It is pride and everybody's faces. There are special parades, special days, special stickers, special logos. Everything has been prided out, right? But now uh, certain corporations, major corporations are taking it a step further than just the, you know, the use of the rainbow on everything. You've now got Target that is partnering with what I believe is a self-proclaimed Satanist, right? to put out this propaganda in their stores that is not only just completely in age inappropriate and inappropriate to see at Target, a major retailer, but I'm not so sure what these corporations, they take a look at Bud Light and they think, you know what, I think what we will do is now we will have an entire line of pride themed apparel and also add, you know, some Satanism in there. I'm not sure where we go from here. Well, they do it because they, because they're powerful and they know people will still use their products, even if, you know, they have a their woke marketing department wants to force this crap down our throats. And that's a big reason why I'm a big fan of what my friend Michael Seifert is doing at Public Square, which is building a database of unwoke businesses for people to find alternatives. And at the end of the day, that's the only way that this is truly going to change when Americans, you know, when you stop going to Starbucks, which donates money to Planned Parenthood and other leftist organizations, and you go to the local coffee shop in your community, that's really the only way this is going to change is when you start denying these mega corporations your dollars, because that's the reason they know they can get away with it. They just they know their power like our country is our country is. 
The people who have the real power in our country are the handful of corporations that are more powerful than our government. And the only way it's going to stop is if enough Americans say enough. And we saw we kind of saw that with Bud Light. We saw their sales drop 30 percent. And, you know, that if, if we do this to more corporations, Americans have the power to put the fear of God into their woke marketing departments and say, hey, you're going to force this crap down our throats. We're done. We're going elsewhere with our money. Do you think that's going to be effective, though? For Bud Light, it was, I think, because I do believe conservatives make up what used to be the big customer base of Bud Light. But I'm not so sure that places like Target or Adidas or Starbucks are going to feel the wrath of conservatives because I'm not so sure that conservatives will stop going to Target, will stop going to Starbucks, these places that are really mainstays in a lot of people's everyday life. I'm not sure that we have maybe the fortitude or the organization to come together to make these corporations understand. I don't really foresee it happening. I wish it were possible, but I'm not quite sure it is. Yeah, and I largely agree with you with that. Like I said, these, you know, Target is a worldwide brand that, you know, millions and millions of people use, but but it has to happen. Like we should not keep giving power to all of these mega corporations as they force, you know, all of this dangerous stuff down our throats. Like there has to come a point where, you know, we, where somebody makes the decision to go to the local retailer in their community as opposed to going to Target. Because that's like, because like I said, that is the only way that this will end. And that's why, you know, everyone should go download the Public Square app, which is like really the only company in America that's making a concerted effort to build a platform where people can find alternatives to mega woke corporations. You know, that's you know, that that's that's the way that the, the only way this is going to happen when Americans deny these people their dollars. And uh, can it happen? It's it's a long shot. But, you know, alternatives are being built. They are out there and everyone should go use them instead of these people who are forcing this crap down our throats. No, I agree. I also wonder how this is going to play into election season. Because I think that the culture war is an important one to fight. But sometimes I take a step back and I wonder if we are messaging our culture war effectively and if the independents and even some of the Democrats that might be on the fence out there, if we're going to be able to use this, the GOP conservative advantage coming up in 2024, I think that Ron DeSantis is a perfect example of what I think looks like winning culture wars. But there are a lot of folks now, you know, no surprise, the media is going after him. You've got the NAACP saying that don't go to Florida now. Black people shouldn't go to Florida. Um, and I look at it and you look at it and it looks ludicrous. But I'm not so sure that the average American out there that watches CNN or MSNBC or just listens to off-the-wall podcasts of the leftists, I'm not so sure that they're going to look at someone like Ron DeSantis and say he is winning the culture war and therefore could maybe win something like the presidency. No, the culture war is, is probably the most winning issue that conservatives have, other than, you know, the economy and preventing World War III, et cetera. But you know, we saw in Glenn Youngkin's election in Virginia how effectively he messaged on issues of education. As it turns out, suburban women, they, you know, they may be very, very pro-choice, but they also don't like, you know, porn and woke left politics in their kids' classrooms. And that's why they all voted for Glenn Youngkin, even though he ran as a pro-lifer. And that's the same way we saw with DeSantis. When you effectively message on the culture, he, you know, he took a swing state and just won it by 20 points. You know, this, as it turns out, people don't want, you know, to, their kids to be taught that their country's racist and they don't want gender queer and this book is gay in their kids' libraries. 
And I think all of the propaganda like come, that comes out of the media and from organizations like the NAACP, I don't think it's very effective because people can see for themselves what is happening in their kids' classrooms. They can, you know, all of it is all of it is out there. It's it's you know, it gets masked as, you know, book bans in the media, but people are seeing for themselves, it started in COVID, what is happening in their kids' schools, and they don't like it. And that's why it's so effective. I think the education issue is one can any conservative or any Republican candidate for president really should lean into. And I think DeSantis is the most effective messenger on it, which is why, you know, a lot of people under Team Trump have been starting to say that the culture war may not be worth fighting, which I definitely disagree with. I disagree as well. So speaking of that, you know, today we had an announcement that we learned over the weekend. We've got Senator Scott announcing that he is now throwing his hat in the ring to run for president. We are expecting Ron DeSantis to announce sometime this week, or at least that's what the buzz is. Um, now we've got, you know, a race that's heating up. Do you still think that this is a Ron versus Don race? Or do you think that some of these other maybe outliers like a Senator Scott could have a real chance at upsetting either of the two? It's definitely a two-man race, and I don't think a lot of these people who are running are going to even make it to Iowa. Like, Tim Scott may have the best chance of all of them because he actually has, you know, over $20 million in the bank. He has the ability to actually run an effective presidential campaign. Nikki Haley is literally hype, and they're lying about their fundraising numbers because that's how bad they are. I think Vivek Ramaswamy is just looking to build his brand to maybe run for Senate in Ohio. And then all of these people like Asa Hutchinson and Chris Sununu are just out there frolicking about in New Hampshire and Iowa somewhere as non-factors at all. But like you, you may have a large ego that thinks you can beat Trump or DeSantis, but if you don't have the money to finance a campaign, you're not going to be able to do it. And that's the case with Nikki Haley. Uh, Tim Scott, on the other hand, you know, it could very well be a three-man race between them because, like I said, he has a lot of money. But, you know, at the end of the day, the people who are polling the highest are Trump and DeSantis and everyone else is like below 6%. And I don't see that changing anytime soon because just because, you know, these people, I don't see the base of support that all of these other people have uh, in order to effectively challenge Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, who, you know, by themselves, Trump is at like 30% no matter what, and DeSantis is at like 20, 25% no matter what. And the rest of these people don't have that, and that's why I think it'll still be a two-man race at the end of the day. I would like to see maybe Tim Scott be a VP pick for maybe a Ron DeSantis. I think that would be a smart, strategic move. I don't know where his allegiance lies or if that's what he's aiming for, but it would seem to me that that would be maybe a logical step for him. You know, it worked for Kamala, announce your presidency run and then become a vice presidential pick. I think that would be good. But last question for you. We are expecting a Ron DeSantis announcement literally any day now. Uh, I'm a DeSantis supporter. I'm also a Trump supporter, like most in the conservative party are, you know, one or the other or both. But I do believe that Ron DeSantis needs to announce, and he needs to announce soon, because I think that even us supporters are getting a little sick of him not announcing. And I think he needs to announce, and I think he needs to start throwing punches at Donald Trump if he wants to stay and be competitive. Do you think that's the route he should go? Yeah, I mean, I think if I were him, I would have announced, like, you know, weeks ago. Like, I understand waiting until the session of the Florida legislature is over because, you know, you just got reelected and you made a commitment to the people of Florida but, you know, it's over, it's over now. And, you know, Ron DeSantis benefits from the fact that it's very rare that you see somebody who's a first time candidate, you know, be polling as high as he is. You know, Team Trump has obviously been talking about how, you know, they're dominating in the polling right now, which is true. Trump is certainly in the lead. But, 
you know, the fact that DeSantis is at 20, 25% and he's not even a candidate yet, like that should, that, that should show you that he is dangerous and that he has the ability to make up ground and end up defeating Donald Trump. And that's only going to happen, like you said, when he actually enters and starts actually throwing punches at Trump and he's running out of time to do it. There's not a lot of time until the election starts. And if you want to, you know, dig into your polling disadvantage right now, you got to do it immediately. And so if I were him, I would announce right now. I don't I don't know what you're waiting for. Yeah, I agree. And a while back, I thought he should kind of soft walk the Trump thing, like maybe not really go after Trump, kind of stay back like he's done. But I think now my mind has changed. I think once he announces shortly thereafter, he's going to have to come at Trump and he's going to have to say, listen, we love Donald Trump, but he can't win. And I think he's going to have to drive that point home each and every single time he gets a chance or a podium to speak at. I think that's the message he's going to have to convey, and he's going to have to get a little down and dirty to do it, because otherwise I think people are going to see him as weak, and they're going to see Trump as just walking all over everybody. So if DeSantis wants to be a player in this, he's going to have to step up, and he's going to have to maybe get in the mud a little bit. As much as I hate to see it, I think that's what it's going to take. But, Greg, I appreciate you as always. Um, I can't wait to have you back in June for Pride Month so we can officially celebrate. Thank you so much, Tommy. Great to be on with you. All right. And speaking of that, it's not yet June and not yet Pride Month, but the rainbow onslaught is here. My final thoughts are next. It may not be June, but major corporations want you to know Pride Month is coming, and I have some final thoughts. So there is a whole month dedicated to LGBTQ++ asterisk dash pride. And while that month is, I guess, June, corporations big and small in this newfound U.S. of gay want you to know it's never too early to push this propaganda on customers nationwide. This goes far beyond the traditional rainbow symbol and into modern-day gay propaganda that appears to be less about equality and far more about special treatment and forced celebration of the sexual preferences of the minority of the population. Take Target, for example, a once classier version of Walmart that has gone full woke and full gay with its wide-ranging pride-themed line. This isn't just some rainbow, folks. This is pride on steroids. POV, you take your kid to Target. This is cool, queen, queen, queen. <laughs> Queens take care of each other. Mom says I'm supposed to be more organized. Can I work on this for my reading log? Perfect for our beach vacation. Dad, can we pull out your CD player? Fit for anyone and everyone? Let's get this for mom. Live, laugh, Lebanese. <coughs> Trains and people will always exist. That's not what it says. You'll notice these items are in kid sizes because that's just what every kiddo needs. A shirt that says queer and a backpack to match. But the left will tell you this isn't grooming, it's just tolerance, like somehow it's necessary to discuss sexual preferences with minors and push them into a category at a young age, all in the name of love and inclusion. No. And in addition, the 0.01% of the population that identifies as trans will be so relieved to know Target now offers penis-tucking pockets for swimwear. Why do you want kids picking out and pledging allegiance to a sexual preference before they can even operate a motor vehicle? 
But this isn't just a Target thing. Name a major company. They've got some kind of a gay outreach prominently displayed for the month of June and obviously well before and after. Here's Ford Motors with a tribute to the gayest truck. Just what we needed, the sexual preferences of a minority of the population plastered on the side of a vehicle. How inclusive. And I say all of this as someone who doesn't give a hoot if you're gay or trans or whatever. I just don't understand how this whole thing got so twisted. Because pride is a personal thing. It's a personal celebration of oneself. Why then does the world have to validate it? If the goal of the LGBTQ movement is equality, why demand special treatment, special parades, a special month, a special symbol, special nights at sporting events? It seems to me the vocal minority of this movement doesn't want equality. It wants special treatment and forced validation. Be who you are, love who you love, and do what you want to do. But why do I and the rest of the population have to celebrate your sexual preferences? Doesn't that seem a little odd? I really don't care if you want to date dudes or girls or cross-dress or whatever. Just keep it away from kids and don't make me applaud it and we're good. It really could be as simple as that, folks. But those are just my final thoughts. Be sure to watch the entire show exclusive content on our OutKick YouTube channel. Make sure to like and subscribe. From Nashville, God bless and take care.